Put away that Christmas tree, it's June. Also, it's China Spoilers. to China Spoilers. We've got a new name, but we're that same great Uncle Says discussion of making short films and video for YouTube while living in China. I am Emily, and with me as always is Peter. That's me. We make videos on YouTube under the channel Hello Foreigner, and we're coming to you right now live to tape from Whoop Woo Studios in beautiful Luzhou, Sichuan, China. We've got a great show tonight. Everybody always says that, but we mean it. We're going to talk a bit about characters, the characters in your work, and kind of our process of, of going from purely non-fiction to somewhat fictional in our homeschool film school segment tonight. But first, let's kick things off with How's Your Uncle? Dragon Boat Festival. This weekend is the Duan Wujie, which we translate in English as Dragon Boat Festival, although that's not what Duan Wujie means. Um, it's a complicated, convoluted history to this holiday, and we made a video all about it last year, so you should go check that out. Um, there we're is, not doing it again. Yeah, we're not doing it again. We, there is a modern celebration of it. You can go watch people race dragon boats. We just enjoyed our three-day weekend. We went to the mall. Um, like many other people. Yeah, we were not the only ones. Um, also, that yeah, my, my school sent me some zongsa, which is little rice dumplings. We haven't eaten those yet. Um, we're saving those for a project. Stay tuned. <laughs> An eating project. <laughs> yeah, mostly um, what I my what what kind of marked the holiday for me was. Thursday, while we were still in school, I took some kids on a school-sanctioned trip, um, and they, the kids kind of took me rather than the other way around. We went down into this public square they had set up. I'm not even sure. It was explained to me as the college, but um, we have a couple different institutions that college. might be colleges in Ludo. Anyway, it was some some college with an arts program. Their students were out doing traditional painting and traditional calligraphy um, for the Dragon Boat holiday, also for the 70th anniversary of New China, which is a big deal this year. Um, and it was an interesting... We kind of walked around and looked at the art, and I kind of think, I suspect, we were brought in not... Me specifically, although kind of also me, because I'm a foreigner. I'm visibly foreign. Um, but to have the kids looking at this traditional art, we also got our picture taken looking at the art quite a lot. So I, I think there was something in there what, about that. What, what was the art look? What did it look like? Well, um, so there was like traditional paintings that was um, the basic, you know, kind of watery scenes with branches and flowers and I mean if you've the Chinese traditional art is very very on 
on these specific themes. So, like, landscapes as opposed to, like, characters or... Well, there there was the landscapes, and then there were, like, people writing out um, calligraphy of, you know, famous sayings or poems or chenyu, chuanyu. Um, And then there were some of the... Some of the students were doing kind of cartoony little drawings of... So zongsa are these triangle-shaped, pyramid-shaped dumplings made out of glutinous rice. So they were drawing, like, little zongsa with, like, happy faces, like... Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> so very not traditional. Um, but it was fun. It was really hot. Um, so the kids were kind of like, all right, this is nice, but we want to go home. We're, we've, we're reaching that temperature now in, in Lujo where it's it's not the hottest it can be, but any day now. Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty darn. Every, hot. Even the locals are are retreating. Yeah, well, there's yeah the spring. Everybody goes outside and enjoys like the rare, nice weather. The blues we get some blue sky days, which is really nice. And then summer, everybody goes back inside. <laughs> the streets are empty. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was our. That was our holiday, I guess. Um, yeah, it was an uneventful. That's a dragon boat. We took the bus, actually. Well, f- to go there, maybe I buried the lead. We took, <laughs> so there's 18 kids in the international class, and we had six adults, including me. Um, so we were running late to get there, so we just took taxis, three kids for one adult, and we just like took a fleet of taxis, which was really crazy. Um, and then we took the bus back to school. Um, but they're city kids, so they've been on a bus before, so they actually behave themselves really well. It was not the nightmare that you might think 18 kids on a public city bus could be. <laughs> um, so good job, good job, them, and good job, us. I guess that's the difference with like city kids. I mean, when you don't have, um, subways or things like that like buses pretty much the everything. like we saw from our school way out in the countryside kids took a lot of buses all over town all yeah. day long for a lot of different reasons and and some of them are really young too so it's just it's pretty just normal for yeah and chinese city kids i think especially in america now with i hear you guys have helicopter parents um <laughs> It's it's much they're much younger, just kind of allowed to to be independent and like you see like a six year old bringing their four year old brother home on the bus, and like they don't need a parent, they're just they're together. So that's always interesting to me. Not goofing off when it's just business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like our teacher, our head teacher, who was kind of in charge of the whole thing, she was just like, find a seat and sit in it, and then they did, because. <laughs> um, that, that's how, that's what, the way you take the bus so early in the morning. What else are you going to do? <laughs> take a nap. Yeah. Well, let's go on to conducting, conducting business. There are a few items of business tonight. I would like to start with if you have been a longtime listener of our podcast. Um, formerly called Uncle Says, formerly just called the live stream. Uh, now we're trying out China's China spoiler. Sure. Um, spoilers. Spoilers. We used to publish on a different channel, Hello Uncle Foreigner, and now we folded this back into Hello 
foreigner um, and we're going to talk a little bit about why we did that. So to give you some background, Peter and I live in China. What? Um, and we had been vlogging about living in China on kind of three separate channels and we had separated out the channels as for the podcast, the music videos, and then the, the kind of vlog stories. And as well as blogging for umpteen years yeah, on yeah, our at, home channel. At hello, HelloUncleForeigner.com you can read almost eight years of stories about living in, which you'll have to read. Um, and recently we collapsed the music videos and the vlogs back into one channel on this channel, Hello Foreigner. Um, and that was a success, and we've talked about why and how we did that in the, uh, the past couple weeks. And then for similar reasons, we decided to bring the podcast back over um, to Hello Foreigner. The, I guess there's, there's several, several strong reasons that we did that. One being that, it, similarly to running a separate music video channel, it splits our efforts in promotion and, and outreach if we have to promote two different entities. And so it just made more sense to have that be part of the family. The, the, the wisdom we were following is that if your content is different, like if you make how-to Saw videos, I don't know what that would be. <laughs> how to and watch then, the movie Saw? Yeah, if you, make, if you make a baking video, if you make baking videos and then you want to make like a swimming instructional video, the content of that is so different that you should maybe spin off on a different channel because you might confuse the audience watching on this channel. And so we tried that out thinking, you know, that made sense. But recently we've kind of decided that all of that content is of one piece and that our audience, you guys are sophisticated enough to tell that I'm, that we're having a podcast discussion versus like the, a music video is happening. <laughs> um, Dance. We think. <laughs> so we wanted to try putting those together so that like all the effort put into all the videos is going to promote and, and benefit all of our video not just like a certain subset of videos and um, also it gave us a chance to while they were split apart to figure out what each segment was doing so yes this is a podcast this is a vidcast kind of like a live stream except not live and not talking to anybody <laughs> the 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 vlog pieces are vlog stories that we prepare, the music videos, the music that we do, but the center stream of it all is that it's us and it's happening in China, so it just made sense to... Yeah, we, we felt that, that these these contents, contents belonged together. Um, and then another, another argument for collapsing the channels into one is the natural audience for this podcast is people who already watch our videos. We were kind of optimistically hoping, you know, if we put out this kind of behind the scenes of Hello Foreigner, that might even draw more people from the ether into the podcast who would then go to our channel. And it just doesn't work like that. I think the people who are going to be interested in what we're talking about are already watching our videos and already interested in us. So it didn't make sense to have this be a separate discussion in a different place where maybe you didn't even know 
about it if you are a regular Hello Foreigner watcher. And if you are a regular Hello Foreigner watcher, Hello. that you are our, our natural audience, and so it didn't make sense to hide from you. Um, so that's so now that's that's why the content on on Hello Foreigner has gotten so varied and exciting and, and voluminous. And vol- voluminous. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other big business um, we are. We've been talking for the past couple of weeks about this this saga of of the branding. It's kind of the scourge of every every YouTuber who wants to get seen. There's so much advice out there about like get the right SEO, blah 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 blah. And so we've been trying different things, but almost immediately after we put out the last video where we had de- we described our our then current strategy, we changed the strategy again. <laughs> so I just wanted to. Uh, it's it so makes sense for us that uh, we wanted to, to talk about. So we having hit a hundred subscribers. Now we're at like a hundred eighty something. Mm-hmm. It does seem like that's a threshold for under a hundred subscribers. Your content just doesn't show up anywhere, and you really have to be like pushing yourself. To get anybody to look at it. And then it seems once we passed 100 subscribers, we are getting more and more people trickling in that we did not directly pursue, which is exciting. And so with that happening, we felt we could back off of these like super SEO manipulative titles that like didn't really make sense and sound like a robot wrote them. And then the key ingredient we found for us was in the words normal, real, and serious. <laughs> and this was a breakthrough because it, it really, like, Peter and I talk constantly about, like, what is the meaning of our channel and how would we define our viewpoint. But it is, like, we can't, we can't go to every potential viewer and give them a three-hour pitch on, like, but you really like us, and here's what we do, and here's the whole philosophy. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're interested, we have hours and hours of this podcast where we mm-hmm. do that. But to, to really grab people in, we had to boil it down to those three words. And it's something that, like, after the fact seems so obvious. Like, and, of course, normal, normal real, and serious are, are tongue-in-cheek because we are normal, real, <laughs> and serious. Um... And, and just being able to use those three words actually says so much more than um, all these weirdo sentences we were coming up with. Like, two, two clueless foreigners not having babies in China. It's like, I still don't know what that is, but, like, too, too serious. Well, a lot of it is to try to being that it's not just for YouTube, but everything any kind of media anywhere is filled with extreme now must watch so the opposite of that is just well we're, we're pretty normal we're serious uh, if, and if the other part of if people see our videos they're like they're weird we're like we're not weird you're weird so like we're just not giving you the extreme most powerful thing in your face watch it now or die to the end right right yeah it's, it's a kind of a a, a fight back against that, like you'll never believe, blah blah blah. 
cloth. You'll you'll believe it. You'll probably believe it's what normal. we. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. But I think, and again, just boiling it down to the three words made it so clear for us. And I think that's a technique like web designers do when they're designing for clients or or I think in advertising they probably mm. do this of like you have to boil it down. You can't you can't have a half page manifesto because that's just not clear enough. You need you you need your three words and that will tell you that will give you your direction. So I guess if I I'm excited about this for us, but I'm also excited for like if if you need some advice if you're if you're having trouble branding your channel. <laughs> just pick out like the three words that, that really when put together well, it's like, speak to your channel, I think. In like advertising in the design sense too, it's the same thing of like don't have more than a couple of colors in, in your logos and your campaigns and everything. Like you, you too much of anything is just confusing for anyone to look at. Yeah, simplicity really is is the best and it's it's simple for your audience, but then it's also simple for you. Um, it's much easier to get my head around these three words than, like, try to come up with And it's hard to do titles. these days because everything is being fed to you in this, like, torrent of just information and colors and sound and excitement and noises that, that everything has to be everything. And you can see it, like, everyone that, us included, that wants to start a YouTube page is... Some kind of like, well, I do this and I do music videos and then we do these podcasts, but then we do like these other parts that we write and like, so we're doing all these things. And if you tell somebody that they're like, well, I just came to see, to find out like, what's a really good app if I moved to China. I didn't want this, all this information in the world and you giving it to me at once is too much and I'm, you're making me tired. Yeah. Cause that's the, you're, you're not going to be all things to all people. So you might as well pick three things and do them well. And we're picking normal. <laughs> normal things. We can do normal things well. And whether that's tongue-in-cheek or not, that's for us to play with. Yeah. Well, that's what makes it fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was kind of a fun breakthrough. And I thought I'd share that. In our ad camping. <laughs> yeah. In our, in our homespun ad, ad agency. Um, but let's move on to homeschool film school. Okay, so Peter and I, it's hard doing this show because kind of always, but especially this past couple weeks, like every week we've, we're kind of trying out something new. So we can't really definitively say like, this is what we do. Um, because for us, that's, YouTube isn't about, like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna make a series and then we'll have a series on YouTube. It is more like of our, of our film school where we're trying out different things. Workshop. Yeah, our workshop. And, and so this current slice of time, um, we have been playing around a lot with writing versus, you know, just going out and shooting and live improvising. And one of the big things we've been working on which we don't have videos up yet that will show it but soon um we are kind of developing different characters for ourselves and a character is different from a persona i think in that they are not necessarily us would you say yeah i'm yet to be decided well i guess we're working on that 
Um, but I think piggybacking off of the discussion we were just having on branding, I th part of what's really clicking about making a character is, again, finding not maybe not those three words, but like a sentence that helps you inhabit that character's um, mind, mind space or their worldview um, versus just like saying whatever's whatever's coming to mind like you I guess this is also this is writing and acting because neither of us are actors but it is so I can tell you about the the development of the giraffe that you you've seen um you've you've seen the giraffe before if you've watched <laughs> our videos so the giraffe started out as kind of a nervous impersonation of a Rick and Morty little bit where they have like a nervous car salesman like come on down we've got or not a car salesman a door salesman <laughs> we've got doors and the doors are open the doors are closed and then over time because that's i don't have any connection with that so what makes what makes it work for me is connecting that to like something i feel and i do feel nervous sometimes um Ironically, not talking though. Teaching is really good for getting getting rid of like any kind of stage fright or public speaking fright. I, I don't mind speaking in front of people. Do you think because you're like, well, you've decided that's your job, you're going to get paid to do it. You've stood in front of a class, and now it's like it's either that or I don't know what crumple up into a ball and wait for class to end. Or... Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think because because. People, actors, real actors have said this, that they in person are shy people, but on stage or in front of the camera, they know what they're doing, so, like, they feel directed, and they, they don't feel, they don't feel nervousness, and I feel that, too, of, like, when I go into class, um, I'm prepared, and I know how I want the situation to go, and also, this is personal to me, but, like, if I'm the teacher, I know I'm supposed to be in charge. If I'm in a situation where it's unclear who's supposed to be in charge, I get a little bit passive and let another person take the lead. But I know I'm allowed to, like, muscle up to the front and be the leader if I'm the teacher. So that's, like, really helpful for me. And then if I'm on camera, like, it is all about me because the camera is on me. Otherwise, yes, yeah, somebody's just going to be... Yeah, yeah, like I would I would just let you take that away. If if, if I mean not you I know we're we're married. Peter and I are married. So I have like that dynamic worked out. But, but if, like, if you didn't if you didn't say anything, then it would just be your face and people would just be staring at it, same as your class would just be sitting there staring, going, Teacher, what are you doing? And right. you said something again. I guess I'm not really worried about them. Right. I'm like pretty self-absorbed in that <laughs> way, like of like, I I have a goal in class and in on camera. I have a goal in mind of what I want to be happening, so I feel very comfortable like charging towards that goal, if if the situation calls for it, or or very subtly making my way to my my point. <laughs> um, I I don't mind taking command that way. And part of, I, it's a challenging thing, I think. Act, acting's hard, it turns out. Well, even if it's not acting, like, I, like this, 
doing the kind of stuff like on YouTube, which is or this like more like a like a talk show or something that you have to keep talking. You can't have dead space or people get mad, and so you have to come up with something to say. And a lot of times that is uh, you're just kind of like so things are going to be great, and you just kind of say things much like leaders and presidents and talk show hosts and. We're just, just saying words to fill the just air. Just to keep it going. Yeah, so that no one else starts talking Exactly. <laughs> Which I felt like in classes that I would, my kids would start talking if I don't just keep talking. So uh, sometimes you're just, well, another thing about the letter A is you can see mm. there's there's lines and they connect and they make his way. Hey, don't. Well, and that I would say, um, if you wanted some advice on teaching, <laughs> um, is that I'm very prepared for, like, what I need to be happening in my class at any given time. So I don't have, I don't have a pause for thinking, really. <laughs> um, and I don't, I don't know if this, I, I'll, I'll be up front, I did not go to school for teaching. I kind of picked it up on the job over here because when I started, you did not need to have a teaching degree. Now you need to have a teaching degree, I think. Um, to teach English in China. Um, so I would kind of, in, in the realm of like writing a story, I would kind of like write the story of my class or even still, like I know, so for example, with, um, with some of my morning classes, they're 30 minutes long. So I know we'll have like a few minutes where we settle down, say hello, and then we sing a song, then maybe like 10 minutes doing phonics and then 10 minutes doing the new vocabulary and then an activity and game with the new vocabulary and then we say goodbye um there's not really ever a space where i'm like pausing for breath um and i would say so i guess this this homeschool film school is why <laughs> teaching is like acting <laughs> um for for the giraffe we are we have come to a similar level of preparation because if you go back and look at like the park story is maybe the the greatest demonstration of that was just like i had an outline and we went i went off the cuff of just like the story of this day at the park um do do you know which one that is uh secret park Secret park something. Never something. Well, we'll throw it up. We'll throw it up on the top. Um, but it is a story that kind of meanders. And now we have it to the point where Peter and I have our Thursday planning meeting of like we go through the ideas. And it's not it's not just a vague outline of stories I want to hit, of points I want to hit. It is actual like sometimes line for line readings. And, and I think... More along the lines of what I imagine stand, writings for stand up is like. Like, well, well, I'll present my idea and then we'll like tighten it up, and then sometimes we like even reverse the order in which we're telling it. And so now, whereas that one was like, I think we filmed for four minutes and it was just me kind of, uh, I was at a park. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Bringing endorsements. <laughs> I'm a much, I'm a better actor than that. Um, but and instead of just kind of rambling the story off, it, we film for maybe like 30 seconds at a time um, of 
our I'll not recite because we're that's that's the acting part. I'm tr mm -hmm. we're trying to get to a point where I'm not reciting written down lines, but that um, I'm act I'm de I'm delivering these lines. Like the the difference between a stage presentation and a film presentation, where you can edit uh, like after the fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the but that that the giraffe now is only ever talking for a couple. Less than a minute at a time. We're not just, I'm not just like letting it go, um, which is helpful because then I can get to that place. I like for two, for two sentences, I can be the giraffe and have it, have it come out like fairly tight and fairly, um, well, well crafted versus just kind of telling a rambling story. Do you know what I mean? Am I going anywhere with uh, any of this? Yeah, I. Okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the 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 giraffe it, itself as being something that is um, crafted, before, yeah, yeah, as opposed to just like what we're talking with YouTube stuff of uh, traditionally a vlog is. I'm gonna turn my camera on. I'm gonna sit in front of a wall or someplace maybe nice or maybe not even nice uh, or outside and just say. These are some thoughts. Today I went and I got some coffee, and then I went to another place, and then we got on a bus, and we went to number three, number four. I wrote them down. These are what are the other things? Oh yeah, I, I told you I saw a fish. That's one way to do it. Um, what you're looking at more is crafting characters that are uh, the, the the premeditated in, in in the form of writing to create dialogue yeah yeah and so that is um so you can see this also where we're, we're kind of spinning off of this in um where's your baby because we have the giraffe sequences and so the giraffe sequences were all crafted according to that um you know we we actually fairly tightly script what the giraffe is going to say and then we also had a voiceover character that went with um there we Peter and I, um, in real life, this is not scripted, we went outside and we're just having we were having a chat on tape, um, and then our neighbors came and talked to us. And so we we filmed we ended up filming all of that and then for the presentation within Where's Your Baby the episode, we had a voiceover from the perspective of someone this is where nice and normal comes into it, of like, how do humans have conversations? Um, and so we had that, that character doing the voiceover was not me and was not the giraffe. And so we did a lot of work. You're looking at me weird. Right, keep going. I'm, oh. I'm listening. Um, we did a lot of work on like nailing the tone of that. And nailing the delivery of that. And that was a big one of, like, Peter was a good director for me of, like, that sounds like you're reading. Still sounds like you're reading. <laughs> and I, th I said this in the last episode of, like, of the, the technique I hit upon was um, forget what comes next and then remember what comes next in the moment. <laughs> but in terms of, like, writing for these two different characters... You know, you you make choices about word word choices. Like, does this character have this vocabulary? Does this character 
they speak in really short sentences that clip off like this, or this character doesn't know what they're talking about, so their sentences kind of drift off into everything. And, and so it is it's a really interesting writing challenge to start to think of um, who are the characters we want to present, rather than... Because at this point, we've lived in China almost 10 years. No, <laughs> almost <laughs> 8 years. And we've been vlogging now for more than a year. There's not a lot of, like, day-to-day -day life that feels super surprising. And, and I, I would argue, you know, good storytelling isn't, isn't necessarily what's surprising to you anyway. It is finding the mundane details and putting a new viewpoint and spin on them. And whereas... You know, if we're going to talk about straight-up vlogging, a lot of that is, like, this new thing happened to me for the first time, but Peter and I don't actually have a lot of that going on because we've just been here. And so it is, we're kind of making a transition over to a, to a more f fictionalized, it's not, it's not fiction, well, it's it's like doc. I wrote down docufiction because <laughs> we are we are putting ourselves in the in the way of real stuff to happen, like this conversation with our neighbors. But it is also like like the stuff where the the bits that the giraffe is doing are are stuff like you have eleven million thoughts per day. Do animals get bored? Like, that's, that has nothing to do with living in China, but that was actually something I was thinking about the other day, and so we did, like, exploring those kinds of thoughts rather than, like, why is the grocery store different? Well, yeah, you wouldn't... I guess one of the things about vlogging in particular, why travel and, I guess, how-tos are so popular is that you have... You have a decided purpose of like we we went to a place and we want to show you a place. It's just like in the old days of like we took pictures on our trip to Madrid. So come over to our house and we'll show you all of our pictures of Madrid. And at some point, people have seen all of your pictures of Madrid. Yeah, like you've seen all of our pictures <laughs> on China. So it's not really about like I like I don't really care what apps you use when you get here. I don't really care if you can figure out how to use the bus or anything like that. You, yeah. you can I figure mean, it I, out. I mean, I hope you figure out. out how to use the bus. Well, yeah, but there's... <laughs> but we're not... We don't have any wisdom to offer on that. Yeah, I mean, you, you'll, you'll learn how to do it. Like, yeah. I, there's no reason for us to keep making videos over and over again of how... What happens on the Dragon Boat. We made it last year that we don't... Nothing happened this year. That There's nothing more to go on about that. And the same happens every year and year. Uh, working at a newspaper, we did this year after year of, like... Oh, Halloween the, was the worst. Yeah, every it was year. It's like, what, are we going to do the dog parade? We're going to do the Greenwich Village parade? Or blah, is blah, it blah, blah, sexy blah. garbage person or whatever sexy outfit right, that right, year right. was? Or the worst, the biggest joke is, like, hmm, a snow day, right? Snow... Cover is that the cover today? Is a, a <laughs> yeah, snow yeah. or oh my god, it's hot. Yeah, so it, that, I, any 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 periodical, whether it's newspaper or or vlogs, runs into that problem that everyday life is every day. Mm. Um, which is you know because we're not 
we're not against vlogging. I think that mm. I think vlogging is like one of the coolest things to come out of the fact that everybody has a camera, that everybody yeah. can tell their stories. That's super cool. And I think just for us the authentic, there's no authenticity in like look at all this new stuff. Right. Um it's not, not new to say for like us. oh, we're so old hands. <laughs> but um well, it just reaches the point like where, like you're saying, it like, feels it feels forced to say like, "Oh, look at this." Yeah, <clears throat> with 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 using things like writing with like stand up and stuff, and with teaching. Mm-hmm. When you're working out your script, uh, it becomes every day is the adventure of every day <laughs> is no longer something that you're interested in because it is what you do every day, but the your everyday, your normal stuff, your serious stuff, is more like Seinfeld and his lost sock. Like, if right. you're like, what? what did this happen? <laughs> like, that becomes your everyday. So, if you're back home, that's what you vlog about. If you're right. in China, you vlog about, like, you know, I got a weird cherry in my batch of cherries the other day. It was kind of squishy. Like, what is the insight yeah. that you get out of regular, everyday life? Well, not, I mean, that's that's the big... The big advice for everyone who wants to tell stories, however they want to tell them, is like it has to it has to come from you. It has to be what mm. you are genuinely interested in, and what's your what what point of view are you bringing to the table that nobody else has seen yet? And and the the normal, serious, and real life of two foreigners in China. That's what we have. And as as we get really into what makes Peter and I laugh. That gets like actually further away from any kind of. I don't want to say I'm going to postmodern on you. <laughs> that it uh, that is our truth. Is this weird? Do mountains get bored? And it's not all like that. And the some of it is you know. I guess the the best illustration of. What what kind of kicked me into gear of of, of this like. What story are we telling? We're just telling our story. Is I came in the door. Usually I come in the door from outside, from wherever I've been outside, and been like, Peter, I have three things to tell you about the elevator. It was two things to tell you about the elevator. But I always come home bursting to tell Peter a thing that I just saw or a story that just happened. And then Peter was like, these are, these are our stories. Even though they, they aren't like... The, I just saw a Dragon Boat Festival. What I saw was like a kid tried to pay a sidewalk vendor with a leaf, and yeah. it was like adorable. And yeah. Peter was like, I've, "These I've, are the moments," and right. the, and it is like that's the writing I enjoy. That is, you get to the universal through the very, very specific. Like you don't, mm. you didn't see that kid, but you know what I mean. Then you mm-hmm. can, you feel that warmness of like, "Oh, that was adorable." A kid, a kid thought leaf was money. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those are always the details of a story. Every story is is pretty similar in its makeup. And it's always those little tiny details that you find in a story where someone's like, wow, that made it seem really real. I, that's Yeah, yeah. That's it feels, it feels true. It yeah. feels true. And and I think that's as, as we're writing for Uncle Foreigner, for, for Hello Foreigner and other projects, it is like... I come home some days and write down stuff that exactly just happened, but then like I'll twist it to fit into whatever format it's or whatever story it belongs in. Um, 
Which is, I think that's what all writers do. I mean, not not all writing is is autobiography, but all writers like unless you're unless you're inventing Westeros, and even that like mm. drew on the the political and social dynamics of Earth. <laughs> like you you don't invent human behavior as a writer. You you copy it. You you write it down. And that's kind of the danger if you came home with a handful of stories. And you wrote them down and you said, okay, so I'm going to make these all into a blog. How do I make all of these Chinese stories? Well, then you've got a problem in your mindset of what yeah. kind of stories you're telling. Because that doesn't mean that they're Chinese. It means they're stories. Right. Well, and that's, I mean, big picture is part of what we're trying to show is that the, the Chinese stories around us that we're living with, you can relate to even if you've never been to China. Even if you don't know a Chinese person, do people not know Chinese people? <laughs> <laughs> um, and but the way in to translating that from my brain to the page, and then ultimately the video camera, um, is through character. Because like it's one thing to have plot; it's one thing to have a bunch of moments strung together. But what you really need for people to connect with that and for people to to want to feel something about that is you need a person. You need a point of view person. Even if you disagree with that point of view person, even if you think that point of view person is annoying, um, the character has to feel true. And so that's where we're like really starting to... It's I, And who can say because... Every week, I've I've made a new pronouncement about this is what we're doing now, and then the next week it's an entirely different plan, which is like super fun. I would really recommend working this way to everyone. You should all get part-time Always. jobs that support you, and then just make videos that make you happy. That's and, what and I change would, your mind that's every what week. I recommend. And change your mind every week. Um, but that 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 finding finding characters to bring to life to give these anecdotes actual heart and form and being um is a really cool process yeah and sometimes it's not even characters as like that i mean being that we can't act we can't really that's the most difficult part of this (laughs) (laughs) but that's why sometimes our stuff goes a little more esoteric and they're done in a form of a music video or some kind of montage or some kind of collage or a puppet or whatever yeah yeah because we're trying to figure that another way to tell a story like we, we don't have the budget to like do a stage presentation of this story <laughs> so maybe the only way we can tell it through is is through a music video or something yeah and it was it was kind of totally by accident that we wandered into the realm of puppetry <laughs> um which do you do you think that's worth talking about uh, sure the evolution of the complaint so sure okay yeah so I mean, so this will take you through it. Um, for a, a few months ago, maybe, we introduced the complaint segment of the Hello Foreigner, the, the vlog video. We're going to have to name some of this stuff. <laughs> now that it's all together in a soup, maybe we need to name some series. But um, so we had, we had a segment that was the complaint segment, 
which was actually made-up complaints that I wrote down because I thought they were funny, and then I would read them out and, and, and provide validation for that fictional person who was complaining about something. And then we got to a point where Peter was, was ready to be on camera because the plan always was we'd start with me because I'm the star. <laughs> Um, and the writer. And the writer. And we'd figure out how to work all these lights and cameras and microphones and blah, blah, blah. And then once I got more comfortable on camera, um, then Peter was going to join me on this side of the camera. And so that started happening. That's another one of our successes that we've pulled off so far. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, everyone is, is pleased to see Peter. Hello. Um, <laughs> but so it, it kind of seemed like a natural fit these were pieces that were already written because again I had had a full year plus experience on camera just talking off the cuff sometimes and reading a script and then memorizing a script and blah blah I I'm a professional <laughs> um I, but I was comfortable with with my role on the camera and and but for the first couple outings we kind of thought it made sense for Peter to have pre-written stuff to read and so he took over doing those complaints. And then from there, it was kind of weird. If that was his segment, is he the person who's complaining? That didn't really make sense in that context. If you're going to write different characters, right. then why and, is it me every time? Yeah, and, and, and that if this is the only time Peter shows up, it just like it wasn't clear what Peter's role was doing that because then as he got more comfortable he was ready to take on more more camera time um so it didn't make sense like well why is the person complaining hanging out with you doing this so we kind of we dropped that but i like the idea of complaints that are nonsense because and i'll explain my art to you warren it's because <laughs> I, there's like so much complaining on the internet that i just like Engaging with complaints that are total nonsense. And the art is explained. Um, so we hit upon, because if, if it was with either of our faces, that made it seem like we were the complainers and we wanted to attribute these complaints to a third party. And so, inanimate objects. And then, even further than just like reading text over inanimate objects, Peter's done some very good work, I will say. Um really inhabiting short broom and vacuum isn't up yet but he, he, he plays a vacuum stay tuned um so i, I think it might have been like accidentally through writing the complaints that we kind of like expanded our world into more characters but there's always been like i mean we're both puppet fans our whole lives. Oh yeah, we that, we but didn't invent puppets. We, uh, we, what? <laughs> the, the the stuff that we did with the bugs before and oh, yeah, the sock true. puppet already. Like, yeah, well, like there's, there's little experiments with right. puppetry. Um, so it, and it's not that far from animation. A lot of times that you you see whimsical story will go in and out of different mediums, and so. In that sense, it's it's going to like grow from from these different different ways of how do we tell the story, right? Rather than but I, I would say we definitely needed an intermediate step of 
using something without our face but with a separate character mm. to get to the place where we're like, I think we need to be separate characters. Because we kind of were playing with that in the February videos, Breakfast and Shoes, mm. and where those were fictional scenes that we were acting in. Which um, goes all the way, if you want to go all the way back to the beginning, is neither of us wanted to be on camera or vlog or act at all. We yeah, both want yeah. to write and direct and do all the behind-the-scenes work. Yeah. So when we're like, all right, well, we're going to do this. We're going to have to like be on camera. So let's start with something easy. We'll start with vlogging and see how that goes. And eventually we'll work up to writing. And then I'll get on camera and I'll do it. And eventually we'll start writing characters and we'll figure out how to get them on and whether it's me playing another person or you playing a vacuum or whatever the story is. Right, right. But, yeah, because I think similarly into the in the way we have, like, this hodgepodge of camera devices, those are the tools we have to work with. The flesh tools we have to work with are <laughs> me and Peter, so we are, like, figuring all this stuff out. Because I think that's the next evolution of our storytelling is character-based, I would say. And there's also, I mean, we do try to get friends in, whether they're in backgrounds or we've gone, you've gone to like uh, day trips with friends or mm -hmm. go to dinner with friends or have interviews with them to get other people on camera. Um, but it, there's also, it's really hard to get particularly adult friends to go like, hey, let's go spend the afternoon like May and play in make believe. Like, yeah, people yeah, aren't yeah, interested yeah. in it. <laughs> um, but let's. Go on to commentary. Commentary is now. So we put out so many videos over the past two weeks. We skipped last week filming because I was sick, I think. Um, but we're only really going to talk about we're going to talk about the music videos as a whole because the bulk of what we put out was music videos, and then we're going to talk about the conversation from. Where's your baby? Which is too... I forget what that is called. Mm. Whatever. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So so let's address the music videos first. So as... Um, we kind of decided the music videos are also a vlog in terms of like their, their music that you wrote. Right. And, and video oftentimes that you took. Yeah, and their footage that I... Usually, I do. I mean, that, that if you the whole the whole thing of, of enveloping all three channels into each other are that it's all coming from us making things in China. So at the point of like this one has music over it, this one doesn't. Like we we put up a test one that was mostly music. It was the the John one. Yeah. And it was mostly music, but with like some background stuff and a lot of quick editing and stuff and people seem to really like it so we're like yeah that could be a music video or it's a vlog i don't know it doesn't matter it's us in china so and they're kind of like our our video our vlog videos are so tightly edited um and post-production manipulated that this is kind of a more raw presentation of like what Lujo looks like, or what Li Zhang looks like, or what, what wherever we are looks like is. Um, it's just a car ride down a country road, or something. Yeah, yeah. Or there's there's very little production put into it, other than the fact that we made the music for 
an actual blog piece that was written and part of the music, so we want to put it somewhere that you can listen to it. Mm -hmm. So rather than just putting it up on SoundCloud, which it is on SoundCloud, so you could just listen to it, we might as well put a video of it because we have extra material laying around. So that's yeah. make another channel of it or just put that song on our channel and, you know, see what happens. Yeah, because it is a big part of what we do that Peter writes all of our music. Um, and that's, we're proud of that. Um, do you have anything else to say about the music videos? Um, just there's a lot of them. There's, there's a lot, lot more them. coming up. Uh, coming yeah, up. yeah. And, we, and we're just kind of... Make a playlist. You could listen to Uncle Foreigner all day. Yeah, we're just we're just dumping all those out so that we can get those out of the way. Like everything that is constantly changing, like it, putting these live streams on it, the same same thing. Like we're just we're not going back and putting all the live streams because a lot of them we were just trying to figure out how to make us not sound like chipmunks. Or yeah. <laughs> originally it being that they were just live streams, but it it doesn't really help for us to do first of all it's hard to live stream sometimes it just doesn't run so we can't actually talk with people also they're getting anybody in with so few viewers into a live stream is almost impossible so if we do get it to run is anyone going to show up and then oftentimes because what we're dealing with is china i see from a lot of other people's streams is people are going to come in and yell at us for not doing China right or not being in America or something. It's a very hostile environment <laughs> to do live streams. So we were not interested in that. So we realized we were making this. So let's take this. We'll put it back into our regular vlogs. And then we'll take our music videos. Because why are those sitting over there by themselves? Let's put them back on the thing. Because it's all related. So yeah, it just kind of makes sense. The gestalt is our China. Yeah. So we're just pouring that all back in. Yeah. But so let's talk a little more in depth about chi Chinese people ask two foreigners questions or something. I'll find the, the find, find the real title. So this is the un. It's not uncut. It is um, edited, but it is. It's the full conversation that we had with our neighbors that was excerpted into. Where's your baby? And so this, this, like I said earlier, this was Peter and I were, were set up to have a conversation on camera and then our neighbors came by. Yes? Chinese ask, what is it like in China? Okay. Um, so yeah, basically they, they subjected us to all these biographical questions and we struggled through. And there was a couple interesting, I mean, it's interesting to have the conversation itself. Um, it's always interesting to see... We live in Luzhou, which is a, a pretty remote part of China. It's a city, the city proper is maybe almost 2 million, um, but it's pretty far from the coast. It's it, They don't see a lot of foreigners, um, especially the older people can be a little bit provincial, so they, they can ask some pretty interesting questions. Um, but I actually, I don't mind because I like practicing my Chinese like this. And we've also um, had a lot of years with the Luzhou public to to be like like we know what to expect so it's never really like a, a somebody some younger uh chinese people might mm -hmm. say like oh that's embarrassing like yeah. you know, we're not like that like well, well we know but we've been <laughs> all of our neighbors yeah we are have we have young and, friends and we have normal conversations with our younger friends yeah um and sometimes you'll see like a a, a grand grandmother and grandchild and the grandchild will be like oh 
<laughs> yeah. Which is just normal. Yeah. I mean, well, every, everybody's embarrassing everybody all over the world. So yeah. that's, that's universal. Universal in the specific. And the funny thing is just for us is that being that we're just smack dab in the middle of a place where old people just don't get to see us very often. They have every question that they've ever wanted to ask yeah, somebody from America for their entire lives. So it's just, it all comes out. And we, we know what most of the answers are, which has helped you learn Chinese a lot. So it's Yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's super, I mean, I guess part of the issue is some of my neighbors speak like very much the local dialect and some of them are more to the textbook standard, um, standard Mandarin. Which I study standard Mandarin, but I live in Lujo, so I kind of speak a mishmash of everything. Um, so it's it's all it's all extra confusing. But I'm a better I'm a better speaker than I would have been if I didn't You're a better have this person experience. for it. <laughs> and all, yeah, it made me better. But like I, I for language skills, like you can't beat being accosted on the street. <laughs> um, but I, what I like about this video, the treatment we did of it, so we did, when we were filming originally, we had two cameras set up so we could have Emily face, Peter face. Um, and then Peter, through the magic of digital editing, can then all extract, so they're both two shots, and then he can extract a close-up. Just to go back really quick, I, the, the initial idea was to capture you telling me the story of Coco Oh, right, right, and, right. And, and kids, and we used that in, in the video that was before that. Mm -hmm. So that's what the main purpose of doing that. And in trying to get that conversation on film of your story, the our, our neighbors came in to, to speak with us, mm -hmm. and so we ended up with like a half an hour worth of a conversation that we were yeah. like, I wonder if we could do something with this. Yeah, and so Peter, Peter had this multicam set up that he could also then extract different angles through digital editing, um, where it, it looks like a real, a real professional thing, <laughs> multicam, multicam track thing. Um, to tell the story of the trick for him is I didn't actually subtitle it till after it had been edited, and Peter does not speak Chinese, mm -hmm. and so I think. It was a really tricky thing, but he actually, he doesn't speak Chinese, but he can read my face of, like, when am I listening and processing? When am I listening and just faking that I understand? Like, I think you can tell pretty well the well, difference between those two I, faces. I think that's, like, a, a, um, it's also not being able to understand the, the exact conversation of what's going on. I can understand, like, the body language of everybody. If, right. so if there's, like, a couple people standing around, I don't know exactly what they're saying. I can know they were roughly talking about, like, kids somehow, and I can extrapolate a few different things, and I can watch your face. And some of the words I do recognize, like, I can't join in or anything, mm -hmm. but, like, I can tell, like, this is going here and this is going here. So by the time I sit down and I've watched it, I've been in it and then watched it, like, three or four times, I yeah. can actually start cutting it to being, like, Okay, this is where Emily's lost. Let's get her face looking weird. And then cut to another person, and that guy is doing it. So I can actually start telling the story even without knowing the language. Because part of the story, we didn't just want to say, like, oh, our neighbors are so uncouth. Listen to all the things <laughs> yeah. they ask. Like, part of the story is I'm proud that I can have conversations like this in Chinese. 
And also, what does it feel like to be in this situation? Because that is a situation that is, it's just strange to like have, I mean, they're my neighbors, but I don't know them. I've seen them since and like we say hello now. Um, but to, to be having this kind of swirling conversation where you kind of only half understand what's going on at any given time and like this guy's asking about what meats do you like to eat and this woman not wants to know about, you know, your kids. Um, Meanwhile, you started... It's you, not, you it's not so much... It's not, we're not so much like asking you to engage with the content of the conversation, but the fact of the conversation as a, a kind of torrent of, of changing and weird information. And I think through the edit that Peter could capture on my face, like you really see where, where I'm with it and where I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. The, 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 the actual conversation as to what it is about really wasn't what we were totally interested in because once again it's the same conversation that we've had for eight years yeah we sit yeah. down somewhere if we if you sit down for more than a few minutes some older chinese folk with some kids are going to come over and ask us the same group of questions so going over and over and over that is not that interesting to us anymore so but what we were trying to capture is what does it feel like to sit down and get this barrage of questions that are coming from different people with different agendas and understanding part of the language and or I'm not understanding hardly any except for body language and you're understanding some woman has standard Mandarin and then a guy is like nothing but local and you can pick up a couple of words from there like it, there's just all this information is just pouring out like in eight minutes and we're trying to figure out how how do we translate that feeling Rather than like you know like oh we're we're upset that 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 people treat us this way or we treat other people a certain way like right, we're just like right. looking at all of us communicating like this is this is wild because it was I, that that's what I wanted to get is that we're all like trying really hard to make this connection because it like like I said and like you'll see in the video there is one woman who's kind of like the captain of the Chinese people. Because her her Mandarin is the most standard, so she's sometimes translating Chinese to Chinese for them and for me, mm-hmm. um, and and the, like that's just weird. <laughs> it's weird to have that kind of conversation, but it is like we all kind of wanted to make that connection, so we did work hard at it, and then to live through it and then watch it back. So we had we had Peter's edit where he kind of used my face as a barometer of, of comfort. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we added the... Well, you're telling the story, even if it was just with your face. Right, right, right. That, that there is... The story is not just the, the questions. It's not just the interview, but it's how the interview is unfolding. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, we made the decision... Because we do have a friend who we get to translate stuff for us, and she's from Lujo, so she probably could mm-hmm. even have translated some of the stuff I missed. But we wanted to go with, I did the translation myself, and so there's a language of the subtitles where we have the subtitles are directly translating what is being said, or editorializing and commenting on what is being said or the action. Um, 
and additionally explaining like extra context for to really like get you into what was going on in my head at the time and then like, there are moments like where she asks a question and I just answer a completely different mm -hmm. question that I at the time I didn't realize that's what I was doing I wasn't like doing a purposeful misdirect but it is like it's funny to me to watch that back and see like conversations are not like dialogue. They just are so messy. And what? people are talking past each other all the time, even in the same language. And then it just is extra pronounced because I'm not speaking my, my, my L1. Um, Which is the three segments that you we did differently in the video before that. Yeah. Where instead of using subtitles... You did a voiceover, yeah, which described from the point of view of a person who's explaining how to have conversations, right? So, um, there's if you put all three of those things together, that one sit down for a half an hour mm -hmm. got the basic story that you were telling me that your gym teacher was t t talking to you about, and you got oh, right, the, you right. got the neighbors that were, were talking to you about what they wanted to talk about. You got mm -hmm. what you were hearing and you were understanding, which are two different things. Right. But through subtitles and through voiceover, which is like your 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 own mental notebook of of your feelings about what was going over that and Yeah, yeah. So it took two videos to do that. But <laughs> <laughs> and it is like we're kind of lucky to have caught that conversation on camera cuz that situation has played itself out like hundreds of times since we've been here and I've never had the benefit of being able to watch back what happened I have had like I'll say something and realize like I'm not talking about what they're talking about <laughs> at all but like to actually like have the evidence and, and watch it unfold is like really it was fascinating to me and I hope we were able to put it together in a way that was interesting to other people because I, I thought that was like Super interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a really hard thing to, to capture what that feeling is. And, like, I mean, you know, we're, we probably weren't 100% successful at it, but, like, getting getting that strange feeling of, like, uh, of what does it feel like to be in China is, is often that feeling of, like, there's a lot of things going on at the moment. Yeah, and I'm not sure yeah. what they and, all and are. And it, it could feel alienating, except for the fact that... Um, well, I think at the biggest of it all, Peter and I are here together mm -hmm. and that like we feel solid in that. Whereas I think people who come to China alone do feel a little bit alienated. So we we can have this experience and laugh at it together. So in the end like that doesn't that doesn't which by the put end us of off. the end of the video rather than it just you know not having an ending, there is an actual ending, which was the actual, what usually happens is you turn to me and you say like, well, I've, I've just about had enough of this. Yeah, yeah, mm. and and whatever, however, I think I'm far more expressive in my body language than I realize, <laughs> and in this situation, I said that to Peter, and then like, whatever I conveyed, everybody, without me saying that in Chinese... They kind of wandered away, and they knew that it was over. I right. mean, I guess I turned the cameras off, maybe, but the cameras weren't even on them. Yeah. But well, so it was just like really interesting that like I said it was over, and then it was just over. Well, and as you could, uh, I think, imbibing China, well, imbibing <laughs> is 
mentioned that she noticed the, the same kind of thing that happens like with dinner. When dinner is over, everyone leaves. Like oh, there, yeah, there, yeah, there's yeah. something in Chinese culture that is just like so You read the over. room. Yeah. yeah, and and we all there's an unspoken signal that it's time to go, and so we all go. Yeah, um, which does kind of make things easy, and it, it, as long as you know to send out those signals, right? Then right. you know you've got an escape route. Yeah. Um, oh, but back to that—that that it's it's it could be alienating. I mean that's that's there is a theory of of interpersonal relationships and conversation and especially in translation that that is kind of solipsistic in that like no no one can ever connect truly with another person mm. um, and and foreign language conversations are a good test of that but I think you know we have they they intended a spirit of welcomingness and we accepted it in that spirit so it did feel it was challenging i was really tired i mean when i am like i'm i'm done like <laughs> you were done i was done <laughs> um but it was um i don't know it was an effort and it was an effort towards connection and that felt encouraging and so we wanted to kind of capture and share that there's a lot of times um and, and being social, if you go out with, a lot of times like for work or something that we would go out with a bunch of Chinese friends and it's, you, you, you sit around a table and they ask, everyone asks you all the questions that they want to ask and then they start to talk amongst themselves and because they've exhausted their English and you've exhausted your Chinese and so like once again you and I are together so at least we could talk to each other if you were here alone then you you and even us together we find ourselves like stuck in the situation of like well I guess we're sitting here for I don't know how much dinner is are they almost finished I, I don't know how much longer we, we've got so you're kind of it does happen like that yeah dinner's <laughs> over <laughs> so but those are actually if you look at it from that standpoint of like I'm tired like, I, I just exhausted all of my mental power to figure out what the situation is and tell, talk to this principal about something and talk to that student about another and talk to a coworker or a friend or whatever, and you get tired, and you're like, okay, is everyone done? All right, I'm just going to eat my dumplings because I'm really tired until everyone says it's time to go home. <laughs> and that makes it a, a, a little bit easier. But once you start to figure out those those situations of like, okay, now we're done with this conversation... Everyone is like, okay, I guess we're all done. Yeah, yeah. And so I, that's, it's a moment, again, we were lucky to catch it on film, but we were positioning, our, positioning ourselves in the way of luck, which is, and well, it I really think, worked out. Yeah, which I think that's why we never really capture it, because it's usually something that happens on the spot that yeah. you're not ready for, and we just happen to have cameras going, so we caught ourselves in the wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and because and it was like... Maybe if we're talking to people and we're like, okay, we bring out a camera, that feels creepy. But they approached us and they were, they knew cameras were on. They could see right. what was going on. So they, they knew that they were being recorded. Right. Which is consent in my book. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did the write-off. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's that one. I think you want to go on to watch it? All right. We're hitting the watch it. 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 Watch it.
our watch it this week is the Amazon streaming miniseries Good Omens, based on the book by uh, Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, which who are some of my favorite authors, and this is one of my favorite books. Um, so we kind of gobbled up the the. It's a six part miniseries of varying lengths from like a half hour to an hour, I believe, each part. I lost count. Um, we gobbled it up one per night. Um, not because it was so super strong, but that it was just like... I love well, the, yeah, wa- the book so much that I, 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 was gonna, I was committed. We've been waiting for it for years. Yeah, despite... So it's, it had strengths and weaknesses. Um, if, if, you, if you've read any reviews, um, David Tennant and Michael Sheen are two of the... The books or the 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 miniseries is strengths. They play the good angel and the evil demon who are working together to thwart the. The whole apocalypse. cast was great. Everyone yeah, was, everyone, everyone yeah. was great. Everyone was great. Um, and it is much like another British secular humanist who also shaped a lot of my ideas as a youth. Um, Douglas Adams is. Hitchhiker's Guide, the movie adaptation with Tim Freeman, um, was serviceable and fine. People were not wowed by it, but to me it was like, that was all I needed. I wanted to see people see, say these lines out loud, and they did, and I can't, I can't fault it, it that. Was con- it was condensed, but it was executed neat yeah. and tidy in yeah. a, in a yeah. way. Whereas in this one, Good Omens... Kind of felt a little bit sloppy. Yeah, and I, I would say that maybe is a good argument for it letting books be books and not adapting mm-hmm. them to to film. I mean, I enjoyed it a lot, but it also like there was stuff about it that I didn't enjoy. Um, well, it's weird, like with with modern TV getting so many, and British has always had small series. But you you get six episodes, and we, we everybody talks about this now with Netflix that you get thirteen episodes or something like that, and it feels like when you're in the middle of it, like why is this taking so long? And then, but you, then you've watched it in two weeks, and it's over, and you're like, how did they used to take me a year to watch? So you get like these these big condensed bursts that are. How did I get, like, if it took you six, how, how long, how many hours do you think to read Good Omens might it take you as a fast reader? Oh, it, it like, takes me a night to read it. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to... It's, you, a, it's, a, it's a little gem of a book. As opposed to six hours, you had to sit there and watch it, and when you're being, I don't know, for me, it, it both, like, took forever, and yet they missed so many pieces from it, mm-hmm. because you're being... Hold. Yeah. Well, so we want to refocus watch it in terms of maybe not necessarily recommendations, but like what did we learn from watching mm. this? And so this this particular Good Omens brought up for me a lot of um, a lot of thoughts about adaptation and whether that's useful or not. I mean, it is it's useful in terms of like this thing I created in my mind. I got to see. It represented visually, 
but I don't I don't know that if I didn't already love the book, I think I would have been just like super frustrated with mm. it. Have Have you read the book? Yeah. Yeah, and I I mean I I, I think you gave it to me. Like, Maybe, but I, I I there I feel like and that was a long time ago, but I feel like there was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of fun and whimsy. Yeah. That just did not make it onto the screen, which I found disappointing. Yeah, but, at the same but like, time, how, such, like how would some of it make it on the screen? I, I I, being fun would have been part of it. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like a lot of the structure of the book is that these uh, these two authors wrote it together, but I I believe their process was like, I'll write this bit. Oh, doesn't this make you laugh? Okay, I'll write this mm-hmm. bit. Do you like this? So it was more of a like a parlor game even than a mm-hmm. than a coherent um, story. <laughs> and I think there just was not enough of a spine in the translation because it did feel very PC PC PC. That that they never quite came together, except for coincidentally at the end. Mm, which is interesting because um, that kind of makes me instantly think of something like World War Z, where it's a, a series of short stories and was a, surprisingly for a zombie book. Who would know that there'd be a mm. zombie novel out there that would be so readable by yeah. such a wide audience? Yeah. And then by the time, like, well, we'll make a bit budget Brad Pitt movie and it's like this isn't even the book at all because none of this happened so like yeah yeah (laughs) I remember I just I couldn't even watch the movie of that but the book was so enjoyable and part of so this is a theory that I maybe was given by my professor in college so I took a class on adapting novels into films and we like he chose the the novel films that we watched so they maybe were holding up his point but the (laughs) best the best film adaptations actually came from mediocre novels and like felt free to discard stuff from the book that didn't work. Or like um, the big one is drink, Drinking Milk and Ultraviolence. Uh, Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange. It's, it's like, it's a f- okay novel, but it's a little bleh. Um, and famously, he, Burr, Burgess? William Burgess? I forget. The author hated the movie version and I think even wrote a new ending did er, did, refuting... Did every author hate Kubrick's work? I, yeah, but I, I think why the reasons why they hate Kubrick is the reason why Kubrick is also successful in that he's not precious about the source material. Mm. He it's takes... film. Yeah, he, he is a scavenger, vulture taking out the pieces that he needs and leaving behind the rest. And I think you can't be sentimental when you're making a a, a work of art because that's um, your movie or your miniseries or your your play or whatever. It it has to be a piece that stands on on its own. Otherwise, you end up with The Watchmen, which is just like Mm. an animantic... Animantic, <laughs> a tedious. Yeah, it just is like a, a slavishly faithful rendition of the source material. But we already have the source material, so why did we need a photocopy of it? And mm. I think that's. And I, I was as champion as any for this Good Omens adaptation. I wanted to see it um, as much as anybody did. And then, like, the trailer looked fun. The trailer did look so fun. 
And there were moments that were really fun. And I really liked David Tennant and Michael Sheen were, were super great. But I think there is a big warning. And then you have the added kind of weight that Gaiman was not going to adapt it, except that it was Pratchett's deathbed wish that he do it, which I think like is a nice thing to do for your friend. But he's even said there were cases where like they wanted to cut bits, and he was like, "But that was Terry's bit. We can't cut that out." And and I don't, I think that's a nice tribute, but I don't know if that you're making the best artistic decisions that way. Because mm. um, it did, it felt like a series of gags. Yeah. Strung along with Francis McDormand as a narrator. <laughs> I definitely felt like I tripped through watching it. Yeah. Like, uh, every everything was just like what what happened? Oh, like what? stumbling, yeah. just stumbling into the next piece. That that yeah, and I think it's also. And again, we watched it, and I I liked it, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I I could have liked it better. Um, we kind of decided it sh- it could have had a bigger budget or a smaller budget. Mm. Um, because if it was a smaller budget, it would be more charmingly ramshackle, and it it kind of had these ambitious CGI ideas that it didn't really have the budget to yeah, like you, all you, the you, way make you, it to. You said it was the the the, the creative team that does um, Doctor Who. Yeah, which, I, or the the director anyway. I think. Mm-hmm. Which is a director. Which is is pretty small budget these days. For always, for mag- always Doctor Who was for magnificent. Budget. CGI all over the place. I mean, CGI itself is still like a mess with, I don't know. I mean, even things that are like super exciting, like Aquaman or something like that, visually are still kind of like, ugh, what the, why does someone spend so much money? The Avengers. I like the Avengers Endgame so much, but at the same time, I'm like, that's so much mo- wasted money. They could have done yeah, something yeah. better with it. But I think... And if you don't have that money and you're trying to put out something as magnificent as, as the devil rising from the ground yeah. and there's demons flying all over the place. And it's Which is not, like, a, uh, not a spoiler, by the way. The apocalypse comes up on the first page. Yeah. So. Um, but okay, yeah, I, China I think, spoilers. <laughs> China spoilers. Spoiled. <laughs> um, I think it's a case of, of don't fall in love with ideas that don't work. That's the hardest thing to get over. Mm. Um this is my advice for you know all these professional filmmakers who worked on this, but <laughs> I think I, that's the lesson because that's even for me as a fan. There were some lines that I remember from the book that worked in the book, and then hearing them out loud were like, oh, "I remember this in the book, and it's not working here." Mm-hmm. Um, so you, if if to to bring this back to what did what did I learn? Um, you can't be precious about about what you're working with. If it does, if something doesn't work, it doesn't work. You got to move on. Um, and if something shouldn't be a movie, <laughs> I mean, I guess this this is in in a world of infinite time and money. Keep trying, keep trying to adapt this until you find the perfect adaptation. I'd love to see an adaptation that works. Um, yeah, you wanted this one too. I wanted this <laughs> one too, and I don't know that this precludes this failing precludes someone from trying again. Although I see, there's a decent amount of people that seem to have really liked it. Uh, there's a, also that there's a, there's 
most of the world seems to have liked Game of Thrones. I don't think it was particularly bad. I didn't enjoy watching it, but... Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's also a being not the rabid fan that I was when I was a younger person. Yeah, things like, do change that. Um, yeah, if, 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 if a piece, a piece of work is it, is it, well, I don't know, I, I, I don't, I, I don't get it, mad anymore if, if, if it doesn't fit my exact specifications. As we're changing, watch it into more of, of let's delve further into just I mean, you don't need us to tell you, hey, here's a thing. Like, yeah. Go, go buy a TV guide, whatever, <laughs> that, that it works today. What we're talking about is, like, what works and what doesn't work to inform us as creators. And so it, it isn't... Um, uh, go watch Good Omens. I, I'm saying it's it wasn't the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, and it wasn't the worst, but the things that I learned from it are worth talking about. That yeah. That is where... Well, I, I think this is this is what makes it worth it. Is that the ideas are good ideas? Mm -hmm. I think you know Pratchett especially was very attached to this this idea that humans aren't inherently evil or good, and it's it's the work that we do while we're here on this earth that determine the, our fate, um, and that that and 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 they even have some of the kids. In this final standoff, say or not final one one of the final standoffs. <laughs> this is part of the mess, but that like, and it's especially resonant in this day and era of Adam, the Antichrist, wants to burn down the world, and because he's upset that the world is so awful, and his 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 friends who are they're all eleven. Those friends are like, well, that's not a case for burning it down. That's a f case for working to make it better. Which is like, I kind of it was. It was just right enough that it didn't feel. It felt earned that moment, but mm -hmm. it also felt like sh the the character who said that was like coming out of our TV and shaking us yeah. by the <laughs> like you have to you don't burn it down. There's something worth saving here, but we all have to work to make it better. Which is like. That's a worthy idea, and I'm I'm glad there's a TV show on the internet <laughs> exploring those ideas. And I th I think that's another thing too, especially as we're getting into our own work of like ideas that are interesting but maybe flawed in execution are still worth working out, mm -hmm. are still worth pursuing. And I'd rather see that than a, a million. I don't know. Punch him, punch him, <laughs> punch him wars. More, more, more John Wick, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't even that. know what that is, but I, that's because I and well, and I guess there's punching wars though. I might watch punching wars. <laughs> that's a trademark. <laughs> um, the case for less money to make this movie is I like we're in an entertainment state where. Everything's a tent pole, and everything's workshopped and algorithmed out to the end of time, mm. um, and that's not that's producing not very interesting work. And so I think, had it been less high profile, maybe it wouldn't have gotten made at all. So there's that. But I think, I think you could have been weirder with it if it was mm. a little, a little. It definitely needed to be a, a, a. Well, I think you said. At, at some point, like it, it did, just kind of feel like 
like an after school special version of it. Like the, the nothing was really no nothing was experimented. Nothing was really tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah, just yeah. A, a matter of like here's the notes, and now you at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now you know. And there's, I mean, if you if you're a fantasy fan, if you're a Neil Gaiman fan. His transition to the screen has always been a little spotty. I think because he is such a dense writer, and he he has like the folklore and the 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 backstory and the diversions and the 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 world building that he does is so textual that I don't think anyone's found out how to put that on screen yet. And like narrator is kind of the the easiest and most obvious mm. way to do that, and that's... Well, I, I like, then just read me the audiobook. I feel like with reading a lot of... Um, even in, strangely enough, like in his comic book world, he tends to... In his... It, delving further into the world, you do get a Ken Burns sense of, like, here's where the voiceover will come over as the character tells you about how... They've went through these ancient tomes to figure out something about in 17th century right, England right. that these people came from a different area, and you're like, oh, so we're sitting down to like a little history lesson now. Yeah. And the only real way to do that in film is to actually give that to you. And I'm, I'm imagining that like studios that are buying fairies and wizards and demons are not like, could you could you do a 15 minute piece on the history of 15th century right. Slavic <laughs> monsters or something yeah. like Because actually discontinuity is difficult to render visually, I mm. think. Especially because the reason film works is that your brain is forcing continuity on this series of images that are being shown one so after the other. you have to do a flashback. You have yeah. to do and, and, drunk history. <laughs> right. And flashback is a very specific mode of fragmenting your story, whereas in writing you can be so fragmentary in ways that we just don't have a visual analog for mm -hmm. yet. Which does not to say it can't be done. I'd love to see the person who figures that out. I think that'll be very exciting. Um, well, it's kind of like when, with things like... Um, with something like... Uh, <laughs> a, a critique always is any kind of movie that tries to depict drug use. And mm. so you get like wavy camera and crazy colors, and it's that's not what it's like. It's what somebody's like. I I have these lenses on my film, right? Right. So like, what are the lenses of history books that are dusty, too dusty to read? Right. Like, well, it's Ken Burns' voice. <laughs> well, and it, it, that's interesting. Of of both of those, someone had to be the first person to depict drug use as this kind of shadowing. Um, color swirl, some psychedelic music. Yeah, time time dilation. And Ken Burns, it's called the Ken Burns filter in Final Cut. If yeah. you don't know that, <laughs> but where you focus in on a picture that Ken Burns, I guess, invented or his cinematographer invented that technique. Um, and now now it's a standard because I think it's a joke. The same way visual, somebody says like Photoshop. Did you Photoshop? Yeah, that? but, yeah, but visual it. language and visual standards. Um, become how we understand, become part of our vocabulary. Like, what's that first, the first moving 
moving picture. <laughs> that first film that had like a baby carriage rolling down the stairs towards the audience and the first audience that ever yeah. saw that like freaked out. It ran out of the theater. Because um, it does take us as, as a collective culture time to incorporate those vi- visual language even something that we're so used to now of like The Office or something (laughs) having a sideways confessional for the story to take a dalliance aside (laughs) yeah 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 something like everyone knows that language now like it's not even like something you think twice about but at the time yeah when people were first starting to deal with that it was kind of like whoa what's going on but I think maybe it's easier to experiment language is free so it's easier to experiment mm-hmm. in text that way and inve- make invent new forms that way. Not that like every day a novelist is making up a new way to tell stories, but I think experimentation in, in fiction and writing is e- maybe easier to execute. Maybe it's a question of money, or maybe it's just a question of like the visual auditory processing we do for movies means like changes are met. With more resistance, whereas if you're reading, constructing the narrative in your head as the reader has always been part of the job that you're doing, so you maybe will go along with experiments more. And it's interesting that when you bring money into the factor of like, yeah, words are free, uh, and the only time that we have to worry about that is that, like, you know, is your editor going like, I can't sell this book, you're being too weird. But that doesn't mean it can't get published. Whereas in like a movie, where you only, don't even get to the execution yeah, stage. Until you. recently, though, now that you don't have to pay for film and things can be done. Like we've just sat here for the last hour and thirty-three minutes, I'm not even thinking about like the. There's nothing physical that we're using up other than our human time. Right. So I could take this, and turn it into some montage that it's seventy-five hours long with music from another galaxy and pig heads that float in and stuff like that. And like, what are you doing? Like, I don't know. It's free. I don't care. Yeah, just... yeah. So I, I I, think, yeah, maybe we'll start to see more of that kind of, of filmmaker ex- experimentation. Yeah, Pink Floyd over here. <laughs> um, but I, I, I do think maybe there's something to the way we process video versus the way we read. Because there, there is, like, even, so to get into something kind of technical, television and movies are, are shot traditionally at a certain frame rate, and then soap operas and sports events are shot at a higher frame rate. So that higher frame rate is better quality, but actually, when we see movies shot at that frame rate, our brain has already associated that with with sports and or soap operas, so mm. we think those are lower status genres, so that it's lower quality. And there's I forget who it is, but someone's recently been experimenting with like some like twenty twenty four frames per second is was where we started, and mm-hmm. I think maybe we double those frames to get forty eight frames per second. But so that's the, the number is that low. Mm. Um, there's some director, like Robert, not Robert Rodriguez, but I don't, I, anyway, they have been experimenting with like 260 frames per second, and the people who watch his movies are just like, they are, maybe 10, 20, 30 years from now, we will be open to that, but like people really rejected the look of that, because it just, it's not... 
the, some of the fuzziness we associate with 48 frames per second is what we think movies look like. Mm. And so when it looks different, we don't like it. Um, and, and it may be a matter of getting used to it, and it may be a matter of, like... That's too much. <laughs> is 260 frames per second just objectively too real? <laughs> well, what we... Even, like, stuff that, like, us vloggers can do that, like, we've got, like, 4K... Some of the best-looking stuff that, that, that people do is they slow that down, and we can watch water in slow motion go. Like, that's... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So we've taken, like, wow, we could do this, so that we could watch it really slowly pan out, because... Watching it fast, crisp doesn't really do anything for our, our, our eyes. Yeah, we're getting to a point where the equipment is surpassing the other equipment. Like a lot, we can shoot in 4K, but our monitor doesn't see in 4K, so we have not actually ever watched yeah. anything in 4K. <laughs> right. Um, but my phone shoots 4K video, and at a certain point, we're going to surpass what our eyes can see. Mm-hmm. Um, we may at, have already done it, actually. We've, yeah. we've surpassed my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, even or like in sound um, manipulation of like our our ears have gotten used to over the years from movie theaters having like six way speakers that like mm-hmm. where the explosions are coming into the back and the car is racing, like yeah. And to compose like that thirty years ago, the technology was at, there at the beginning. Um, but it was useless because, first of all, no one had speakers to do that. Yeah. Like, you had to actually go somewhere in particular that has set up, like, you have to sit in somebody's basement that they built something to hear the music that they've made. Yeah. So, at, at what point, like, does everything either catch up to that or say, look, I don't want to listen to something in 13 stereo. Like, right, right. Really and, yeah, good. and what are we used to as as viewers and what do we like as viewers? I think that's that's harder to successfully play with, but it will be exciting to see. And to get do. back to good omens of like, go nuts! If you have no money but you have an endless limitation, uh, no limitation to that. Just, yeah, because I would keep... I would love to see the experimental version. Of yeah, that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, which I yeah I feel like was kind of what was holding that back was this was made for the BBC for the six episodes and everything. Mm-hmm. Stay true to the writers but don't go too far and yeah so like it yeah. had all these constraints of a wild fun idea mm-hmm. that was basically like let's make it sort of a kids show yeah, yeah. so that that's a, it's disappointing in that but like if you're I mean you wouldn't have had CGI demons and flaming cars yeah I don't know maybe even 10 years ago that you could put on on basic TV. So I mean, I want a flaming car. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so it was. It was an entertaining swing. Um, was not quite successful, but it, was, it gave us a lot to talk about. And that's what the new watch it is all yeah. about. And so we're kind of tur- we want to turn watch it a little more into a kind of a book club idea of mm. if you want to watch along with us. Next week, we are going to talk about the most recent episode of The OG, starring Tracy... OG, isn't it? Oh, yeah, The Last OG. Tracy Morgan um, lives in Brooklyn. It's an interesting show. Season 3, episode 7, I believe? I should have looked this up. (laughs) I'll put put it in the the description. Um, And for extra credit, if you want to watch Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing... Um, 
we are going to be talking about the Do the Right Thing parody episode that the last OG just did. Um, so give that a watch or not. And, and maybe more about last OG in general. So Yeah, yeah. So if, if you want to watch... All um, of it. All three seasons. <laughs> maybe two seasons. I want to say two. Yeah, I think it's two seasons. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so to give that a try, we're going to be talking about that next week. And uh, noodles to you. Thank <laughs> you.